What is up guys, it is Quinn here. And in today's video, I'm gonna be going through some of the top buy low players heading into week four of the fantasy football season. And to be totally honest, I feel like there are a lot of really solid buy lows here. You know, some weeks there are a few decent options, you know, a few players you feel solid about buying low. This week, I feel like there was a lot of tough choices. I think I'm rolling with six in this video, but I also could have thrown in a few more. So I do think this is a really solid opportunity to make some trades on some underperforming players. If you guys have any fantasy questions, could be start sit, waiver wire, trade advice, drop those down below in the comment section. Like if you're listening to this video and I talk about a player as you know a buy low, maybe you wanna run an offer by me, totally cool. I'll make sure to get back to you. And then if you do enjoy the content, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. That really does help me out a ton. But let's jump into the first buy low player of this video. And we're going to start off at the running back position with Joe Mixon. So week three, coming off a pretty rough fantasy performance from Joe Mixon, only put up 6.8 PPR points per game. And that's a poor number on its own, but I also feel like it seems even worse because heading into this game, Mixon hadn't been lighting it up through two weeks. And you see this matchup against the Jets. The Bengals should blow them out. You think Joe Mixon is going to be getting all these garbage time touches. He should be putting together a massive game. It just did not happen. Also, he didn't even really get like the garbage time touches. They gave basically all of those to Samaj P. Ryan. So very, very disappointing out of Joe Mixon. But we really got to look at the workload here. I always talk about this early on in the season. We want to be buying low on players with solid volume, selling high on players with poor volume, but elite touchdown performance. Joe Mixon is the textbook buy early on in the season. Through three games, he is averaging 19.3 carries per game and 6.7 targets per game. This is a massive workload. This is one of the top workloads in all of the NFL. And I feel like we can get him as probably like a fringe RB1 at this point in the season. He's only averaging 13.2 points per game, and it just comes down to the lack of touchdowns. Obviously, the efficiency is lacking a little bit. The Bengals offense hasn't been great through a few weeks, but I do think this is going to be a strong offense. They upgraded the O-line in the offseason. It hasn't exactly clicked perfectly, but they do have a lot of talented players there. I do think it's going to come together. And just to give you guys a reference point, last season, Mixon averaged 18.3 carries per game and three targets per game. So he's averaging a full carry extra this season. Nothing crazy. The big number is the targets. He is averaging 3.7 targets more than last season. And I don't think that 6.7 number is going to stick because it is a very, very high number. But if you guys drafted Joe Mixon, or if you know if you were interested in drafting Joe Mixon, what you were expecting is pretty similar production from last year. You were expecting a lot of work on the ground, a few targets per game, and then you were expecting someone on a high scoring offense who's going to give you a lot of touchdown upside. Mixon scored 16 total touchdowns in 16 games last season. That's a lot of where his production came from. If you actually drafted him and you're looking at this workload, you feel fantastic about everything but that touchdown number. We just have to assume the touchdowns are going to be there. I'm not saying he's going to have 16 touchdowns again. He could be in that 12, 13 range. But if you're buying low on him and you're getting him for 14 games and he's giving you 11, 12 touchdowns, you're totally winning that deal. So if you have someone panicking, just looking at the raw fantasy number, he is someone I'd be going after. Another player in the exact same boat is Leonard Fournette. I just didn't put him on here because I talked about him last week, basically ran through you know his insane usage, how he's dominating the RB carries for the Bucks, uh, and how I think he's a buy low. Those two players, very, very similar spots. The usage is there. 
The workload is there. They just have to get into the end zone, which is not something I'm worried about moving forward. Now we're going to move over to the wide receiver position. Talk about some elite options here, but we're going to start it off with Justin Jefferson. Now, if you're someone who's going to come on here and be like, Justin Jefferson, no one's ever going to, you know, sell him. How is he a buy low? Please guys, we got to understand every league is different. Maybe you're in a league where no one's going to panic after two down games from Justin Jefferson. It's totally possible, but I bet a lot of you guys are in leagues where the Justin Jefferson owner was feeling on top of the world after week one, where he had that monster performance, then back-to-back very disappointing games, not just like underwhelming games, 10.8 points, For an elite wide receiver one, you know, that could technically be like their worst game of the season, especially in PPR formats. He followed that up with only 4.4 points on Sunday. That is a rough, rough stretch for someone who's supposed to be, you know, the potential wide receiver one early on. For me, I have no doubt that Justin Jefferson is still an elite fantasy wide receiver one. I think he's locked into that top five. I'd probably keep him in the top three right now. So what I'd be doing is maybe you have a guy like Derrick Henry who struggled through two weeks, had a big breakout here in week three. Maybe you just throw out an offer. Derrick Henry straight up for Justin Jefferson. I still really like the Justin Jefferson side of that. Maybe you're a guy who has Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb straight up. I don't think that's going to get accepted, but maybe Nick Chubb plus a wide receiver three for Justin Jefferson. Just ask around. If you're able to get Justin Jefferson valued outside of the top five fantasy wide receivers, it's something you have to take advantage of. And another elite wide receiver that I'm trying to go after is Mr. Amon Ross St. Brown. I truly think this is probably going to be the last opportunity to buy Amon Ra outside of the top 10 wide receivers, where, you know, he may be viewed as a maybe top 12 guy, maybe he's wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12 right now, you know, by the guy who owns him. And it's not even necessarily a buy low because in week three, he had 13.3 points, nine targets, six receptions, 73 yards. So it's not even like he's coming off of a brutal performance. It's just he has been so unbelievably hot the last, what, like eight games. Just looking at this season, I ran through all these numbers on my uh, rising in my rankings video. So, you know, you guys may be getting some double action here. But week one, Amon Ra, eight receptions, 64 yards and a touchdown. Very solid. Follows that up week two, nine receptions, 116 yards, two touchdowns, and then 68 yards on the ground. Then we look back to the last six games of the 2021 season. He averaged eight and a half receptions per game, 93.3 receiving yards per game, one TD per game, and then had 10 plus targets in eight straight games. So the last six, and then the first two of this season, he barely missed that mark with only nine targets uh, here in week three. But if we're looking at his production over those last eight games before the week three performance, he was averaging 26.4 PPR points per game. This is a high, high end wide receiver one. And right now, the only wide receivers that I would take over Amon Ra got Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams. I think you can make an argument for maybe Tyreek Hill, maybe AJ Brown. But if you had Amon Ra wide receiver six, even if you had him in the top five, I don't even think I could have a crazy argument with that. So right now I feel like, you know, if he goes out week four, puts up hundred yards and a touchdown, you will never be able to buy Amon Ra outside of a mid-tier wide receiver one price tag. So if he is someone you want to get in on, maybe you missed out on him, you know, at his original coming into the season draft price. You don't have any shares of him. If you want a share of Amon Ra, 
this is the time to get him because I truly think it's just going to continue to go up from here. Because if he puts together a few more strong wide receiver one games, that price tag is just never going to be coming down. So maybe you're sending them, you know, fringe wide receiver one players, overperforming wide receivers. Probably more than likely, you're going to have to put together some sort of package, maybe a running back two paired with, you know, a wide receiver two, a back end wide receiver two, fringe top 24 guy, something like that. Maybe if you guys look at my uh, sell high video, which will be coming out today, get some ideas there of maybe some, you know, fringe RB2 running backs that I'm talking about as sell highs. But that actually leads us into the running back position where we have Brees Hall. I truly think now is the opportunity to buy Brees Hall. He's someone I liked coming into the season. I wasn't expecting him to be in as dead of a committee as he has been early on. But even if you didn't draft him early on, you're looking to trade him. I do think now is the time. Not only did Brees Hall outsnap Michael Carter for the first time this season, but he was in there on a lot of the important snaps. So Hall was out there for 42 snaps. That's compared to Michael Carter's 36. So nothing crazy, but I do think it's significant that Brees Hall did outsnap Carter. Carter outsnapped him pretty significantly in week two. So we are seeing a flip. He also ran 10 more routes than Michael Carter. Very important to be getting the receiving looks. Brees Hall took 80% of the short yardage situations. He took 86% of the third downs. Then he took 50% of the two minute drill uh, opportunities. So looking at Brees Hall, he's getting the work on, you know, third and one, second and one. They need like the best running back out there. The guy who's going to convert, that's Brees Hall. Then you have third downs, the times where they're probably going to be throwing to the running back. That is Brees Hall. Then we have the two minute drills where it's like you want the guy you trust, the guy who knows the system. It was not split 50-50 the first two weeks. Those opportunities were going to Michael Carter. Brees Hall is really making his push to take over this backfield. He's eating into Michael Carter's workload. He's eating into the top opportunities. He was targeted 11 times in this game, caught six of them for 53 yards. He also equaled Michael Carter's rushing production on three less carries. The only thing is he didn't get into the end zone, so it didn't really translate to a top fantasy performance. He's just looking at like a fringe, you know, top 24 running back game. Now is the opportunity to buy Brees Hall. I think he's going to continue to eat into Michael Carter's workload. And then back half of the season, you're looking at Brees Hall as a maybe even a high-end running back too. If this offense clicks with Zach Wilson, maybe he's breaking into that top 12 running back range. But if you want Brees Hall, now is the time to get him before it becomes obvious to the owner that you know he's really gaining traction in this backfield. And we're actually going to stick around with the Jets here. And I feel like you guys are probably going to be tired of me talking about Elijah Moore because I was a big fan of Elijah Moore heading into the season. I think I talked about him as a buy low after week one. And so, so far, obviously things have not been going well if you are going out and acquiring Elijah Moore. That's on me. I have a lot of shares of him, not exactly going well in that department, but hear me out here. This is not a situation where you're giving up you know, significant capital to bring in Elijah Moore. We are buying very, very low here because I feel like if you have an Elijah Moore owner in your league after three lackluster performances, I mean, we could see some people even considering dropping Elijah Moore. I think that's a very, very real possibility. He hasn't scored double digit fantasy points yet this season. He hasn't gone for over 50 receiving yards. So in a lot of spots, like that's grounds to just not have a player on your roster anymore. But on the bright side here for Elijah Moore, he still has the highest snap share of these wide receivers. He's still the one wide receiver getting, you know, elite wide receiver one usage. He's in there for almost every snap. 
He's running routes on almost every single drop back. And that is important because they're still giving him those opportunities. It's not like they're, you know, gearing back. It's not like they're giving Corey Davis more opportunities. They're still giving Elijah Moore that top workload. And personally, I still believe in the talent of Elijah Moore. I still think he's going to be a very strong fantasy wide receiver. And I think what we're hoping for here is that Zach Wilson is going to come back and he is going to reignite Elijah Moore. Clearly, it's not going well here with Joe Flacco. Something's off here. You know, Joe Flacco's feeding Garrett Wilson. He's hitting up Tyler Conklin. He's getting the running backs the ball. Elijah Moore is not getting that production. We saw Elijah Moore break out in his last six games of the 2021 season. Zach Wilson was the quarterback in three of those. So Wilson has been successful when, you know, Moore is out there, or I guess Moore has been successful when Zach Wilson was out there at quarterback. And so Elijah Moore is not someone where you're going out and you're like, oh, I'm giving up a, you know, fringe top 24 wide receiver. No, no, no. Elijah Moore is like someone you kind of fleece as like a throw-in piece. Maybe you're doing a one-for-one, a running back for a wide receiver. And you're like, you know what? I feel like I'm losing a little bit. Just throw in Elijah Moore. You know, I'm obviously you're saying, you know, you're trying to play some gamesmanship here. So maybe you do like the trade originally, but you're just trying to get him as a toss-in. That's what I mean about buying low on Elijah Moore. And also, you know, if he's getting dropped, obviously you're buying as low as you possibly can. Very little risk there. I just think he's someone who can still have value this season. I think Zach Wilson could really help reignite him. He's not going to play as safe. He's not going to be targeting Brees Hall 11 times, even though Brees Hall owners may like that. He's probably not going to be feeding Tyler Conklin. He's going to be going for Garrett Wilson. He's going to be going for Elijah Moore. So just something to think about there. And then the final buy low player is actually going to be another wide receiver, a rookie wide receiver, and it is Traylon Burks. I truly feel like Traylon Burks is the perfect buy low at this point in the season. Through three weeks, he's only averaging 6.8 points per game. He honestly could be another guy on the bubble of getting dropped by some people if they're not exactly aware, you know, of him as a prospect. You know, maybe they just saw the name top of the draft board. All right, I'll bring in Traylon Burks. Three straight weeks, not exactly startable production. He's going to be off my team, or maybe he's just sitting on someone's bench. But, you know, he actually had some promising moments both week one and week two. I think a lot of people, including myself, were expecting a big time week three performance. He goes out, catches one pass for 13 yards. So does absolutely nothing. What is really important here, though, for Traylon Burks is not the numbers. It's not the stat line. It is his usage. He was the number two wide receiver in snap share, and he ran the most routes out of all of the Titans wide receivers. Remember, heading into the season, we're hearing all this bad stuff about Traylon Burks. You know, he's falling down the jet chart. He's playing with the twos. He's playing with the threes. You've got Nick Westbrook Akini ahead of him. You know, he's behind Kyler Phillips or Kyle Phillips. All this stuff, all this negative Traylon Burks news. In week three of the NFL season, he has obtained the role of number one, at worst, number two wide receiver in this offense. So at this point, the role is there. Now we just wait for this man's talent to play out. I believe in Traylon Burks as a prospect. I think he's going to be a very, very good NFL player. So the fact that he has already earned this role is very encouraging. And now we just got to let the man work. We got to trust the process and believe that he will produce in this new role. So that's why I think Traylon Burks is a solid buy low. I think next few weeks, we're going to see him improve in the overall fantasy production department. And then back half of the season, I think we see Traylon Burks as a truly startable option. You know, maybe the Elijah Moore breakout last year before he got injured, similar to that. So I do really like Traylon Burks as a buy low. So those are the players we are buying low on. 
just to run through them again, Joe Mixon, Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Brees Hall, Elijah Moore, and then Traylon Burks. Any questions you guys have buying low, you know, potential offers, drop those down below. I'll respond to everyone. If you did enjoy, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel, and I will see you guys in the next one.